0: If you have your Bibles, open them to Joshua chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they'll get you one. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Boy, I tell you, it's been a a whirlwind the last couple of weeks. We had our boys, uh, the twins, were in town. And I forgot how tired I could be. Mornings usually would end around four o'clock or so. It just you know, I know the moms and the grandmothers are thinking, "Oh boy, they're coming here to visit us." And no, that's not really true. They they came here to see their friends, and we happened to be the place where they stayed. <laughs> and, but it was great having them here, and the time for Christmas and the New Year. And you know, I know at this time of year there are so many thoughts that go through our head and we think about resolutions and whether the resolution is i'm going to lose weight or not eat as much i know those two go together somehow or i'm gonna start you know reading my bible and i'm gonna start coming to church or i i whatever those resolutions are that we have in our minds, this opportunity, you know, I, I want to start this, and this seems like a good place. It's kind of a defining moment where I get to say, I'm going to start doing this or stop doing this. And resolutions aren't bad. They're, they're good. We see them at different places in Scripture. Daniel. Resolved in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food. The things that were not ceremonially clean to a young Jewish boy. He made that resolution. He had that conviction in his heart. And we're going to begin in the book of Joshua. And I thought, what a great way to start the new year. This book is really a new beginning. And it's been a powerful book in my own life. God has used it and has spoken to me in powerful ways, and I hope he does to all of us as well. But, but think about this. I mean, this is a new chapter in the nation of Israel and more so in the life of this man, Joshua. Joshua is following in the footsteps of Moses. Now, put yourself in this situation. You want to talk about pressure. Moses, the most dynamic, polarizing individual, probably in scripture, the greatest leader that the children of Israel have known, dies right before they enter into this land of promise, and you're going to take his place. How would you feel? I mean, there's no comparison here. And it doesn't it's, it's not like, okay, well, Magic Johnson, who's going to replace him? Okay, you know, Kobe, it's up to you now. I mean, psst, that's nothing. We're talking about leading 3 million people or so, and you're responsible. Can you feel the pressure? Can you feel the sweat going down the back of your neck? Have you guys ever been in situations where you're responsible for a job, if it's in construction, you have to get it through, you have to get it done in time, family, you have to pay the bills, whatever it is, you have this responsibility and and the pressure comes upon us. And so many times we think, if I could just get rid of this pressure and we don't realize that it's in the pressure that the person is made. It's in that time of pressure that shows what our true colors are. It's in that time of pressure and fire and testing that we get purified and we get strengthened and we get to see who we really are. And we'd so much like just to bow out of it, but we don't realize by bowing out of the pressure so many times, we're also surrendering to a life of mediocrity a life that will not be all that it can. And in this time of new year and new resolution, I wonder if one of the things that we could think about is, what does God have for me? What could my life be if I was truly yielded, surrendered? If... I lived this life of faith. Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. We'll read through verse 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite, Pisgah, across the Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea The Negev and the whole region. I'm sorry. I skipped to the whole. I'm like, wait, this doesn't sound familiar. I I went to a whole different page. Okay. I'm still recovering from the new year. Okay. Verse 4, your territory will extend from the desert to Lamedon and from the great river Euphrates. And none of you said anything. You guys were all just like, what's going on here? Someone should have said, excuse me. Okay, that was just for my embarrassment's sake. Okay, the desert of Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west, which is the Mediterranean. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As he starts off here writing, we can see that he, again, picks up to this place where his responsibilities begin. And in this responsibility, God lays out the potential that is there for him, the things that are there in front of him to possess. And he gives him some boundaries, a promise that he gave to Moses that he's giving to him. And, And it's pretty profound, some of the things that he says. He says that he will give him every place where he will set his foot. Now think about that. Think about every place where you set your foot That's going to be yours. He also tells them that no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. That's pretty cool. Like that one. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. So he starts off with these promises. Now, one of the things to understand about these promises and where he's going into is he tells them, any place you set your foot, that's going to be yours. I'm not going to leave you. No one's going to be able to stand against you. When he enters into this promised land, we have an idea of thinking, the promised land, that's like heaven. It's like easy going. It's like easy street. All right, I've arrived. No. The promise has to be fought for. As they go into this land, they're going to have a lot of adversaries. That's why he says, no one is going to be able to stand against you. But you have to fight for it. You have to take the ground, but I'll be with you. But it's still a fight. Have you found that out in life that it is a fight? That this life of faith is anything but easy? And where we get this idea that faith and easy go together, I, I don't know. We have this I don't know, maybe we've been sold it by a TV evangelist or something, this idea that, well, when you become a follower of Jesus, then your life gets easy. You don't get sick. You get wealthy. Everything goes your way. Oh, happy day. But the word faith itself is kind of scary. There's an uncertainty about it. Abraham, by faith, left his family to a place he didn't know. And Joshua is now leading three million people into a place he's never been before. The responsibility of that falling on him starts with God promising him, I will give you this but you have to take the steps. You have to fight, but I will be with you. And that's like our lives. God has given us a promise that he will not leave us, he will not forsake us. Jesus said in Matthew, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have that promise, but we have the decision to make. Are we going to take the land, the things, the promises that God has for us, are we going to step into that battle and fight for it? Or are we going to say, you know what? This is too hard. I give up. I'll just stay here, be comfortable. I don't like the pressure. I'll settle for less. And I think that's what many people do, because we're afraid, and fear paralyzes us. When you're afraid of something, it brings you into those boundaries. I've talked about this before. If you're afraid of heights, you don't go up high. If you're afraid... Claustrophobic, You stay out of small places. Fear sets boundaries for you. And God is saying, I have all of this for you, but our fear keeps us from obtaining all the things that we have. Why? Because even though we say and we believe that God is with us, I don't really want to step into this battle. I don't want to step into this land of promise because it's got pressure involved and it's going to cost something of me. And so We let territory of our lives go unobtained because of fear, because of pressure, because we don't want to step into the life that God has for us. And so we settle for less. We settle for much less. Alan Redpath, in his book and commentary on Joshua, writes in the foreword, There seems to be a very wide gulf between our position in Christ and our actual experience. Too often do we claim, not clam, to believe our Bible from cover to cover, but fail to live out its truths in daily conduct. We believe it, but we don't live it. Why? Why? Why don't we live a victorious life? Why don't we obtain all the things that are supposed to be ours as followers of Christ? Because we're afraid. Because it's going to cost us something. Because we have to step into this area of faith and trust in God. And that's foreign to us. You see, if I live by faith, it's going to affect my job situation how I work, if I'm honest, if I'm not honest. It's going to affect my social life, who I'm dating. I'll never get a boyfriend if I look for those standards of a Christian. And I'd rather not be alone. So I won't step into the life of faith and trust God Instead, I'll make the compromise settle and do what is easiest. Years ago, when I was much younger and could stay up later without it wearing on me so much, (laughs) my friends and I used to go out and, especially on Fridays and Saturdays, we would go out and talk to people about our faith in Christ. We used to find parties and situations where, people were gathering in high school and college age because whenever you had a group of people gathering together, you had problems. You had someone who got jilted by their boyfriend or girlfriend. You had someone who was drunk and in trouble. One time we came across this park and there was this guy's Volkswagen in this ravine and him and his friends were there and he was drunk. And he was like, oh, my dad's going to kill me. And so we would pull in, and we helped him get his car out. And as we're helping him, all his friends got in another car and took off. And so here he is left with these guys he doesn't know, helping him get his car out of the ravine. And he's torn up that his buddies ditched him. They all went to the party. And we stuck around and helped him out. And so we got to share our faith with him and told him that the Lord will not leave you. He won't forsake you. He cares about you. And we got to lead him to the Lord. And there were so many situations like that where we would find situations and one of our stops was a 7-Eleven that we used to always frequent because they didn't close and because we needed fuel, you know, to keep going, sugar and coffee and those kinds of things. And the guy who was behind the counter, we, we got to know him pretty well, and we started talking to him, and we'd have these discussions with him about faith, and, and he would ask us questions, and we would answer, and I might have been, I don't know, 19, 20 years old, somewhere around that age, and I didn't have all the answers, but we talked to him, and I remember one time specifically, we were talking to him, and it seemed like for months, we'd been dialoguing with him, and, and finally we said, why Wouldn't you make a decision? You you know what we're saying and you believe it, but why don't you make that decision? And I'll never forget his answer. His eyes welled up with tears and, and he was convicted to his heart and he said, because I cheat on my taxes. And I know that if I became a follower of Jesus, I couldn't do that. And I don't know how I could live if I didn't do that. And I was stunned. I was dumbfounded. I was thinking, oh my gosh, what what do I say to him? What can I say to him? I mean, he's this close. It's taxes. Where's the taxes verse in the Bible? I I just, I didn't know what to say. And looking back, I, I wish I could regain that moment because what we're dealing with right here is what he was dealing with right there. You know, If you step into the promise of God, God will meet you there. And I don't know how it's going to play out, and I'm not going to tell you the bills are all going to pay. You might lose the car. You might lose the home. You might lose something, but you will be stepping into something else, something that is better, something that is fulfilling into your life. Because he will not leave you. He is with you, and he has something better for you. We've all been in places where we thought we were secure and the bottom fell out. I didn't know there were so many bottoms that could fall out. (laughs) How many jobs I've gone to and boom, the company closes. Boom, the economy goes down. And you thought, wow, I, I thought this was secure. There's nothing secure. But God has been faithful. He has taken care of us, and he has brought us to this place. And see, what he asks us to do is to trust him, to have faith. And and faith, again, is one of those things where we have to see past our fear. I love in these verses, verse 6, He tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, why is he telling them to be strong and courageous? Why do you tell someone? If you tell your kid, hey, man, you know, be strong. you got to get through this. Why would you tell them that? Because they're not. Because they're being weak. Because they're being discouraged. And so God is telling Joshua, be strong. I know you're stepping into this land that is a promise with all these people and the the weight is on your shoulders, be strong and be courageous. Now, the bummer thing about courage is you would think courage, you wouldn't have fear. You know, you're courageous. That means you don't have fear. No. You see, when you're afraid, you feel fear, but when you're courageous, what you feel is fear. Fear. I know, it's a gyp, isn't it? It's like, you you should feel super powers or something like that. But what you feel is fear, and you have to move in spite of it. You don't let the fear paralyze you. And so just in these few verses, verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. It's not enough for you to be strong and courageous. You need to be strong, and you need to be very courageous. And then in verse 9, he says, be strong and courageous three times. You think he's trying to tell him something? You think Joshua was having doubts here? You think he was maybe in this place of weakness? And this time he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. I believe God is telling us this morning, don't be terrified. Don't be paralyzed. Don't allow fear to hold you back from the life that God has for you. Instead, be strong. Be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Lean into the Lord. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I have something for you. I'll take care of the taxes. I'll take care of the job. I'll take care of the home. I'll take care of the family. I'll take care of you. Step into this life and see what I can do for you. And so Joshua is at this crossroads in his life. This didn't just happen. Moses died. Oh, no, who's going to take charge? Everyone knew it was going to be Joshua. Joshua and Caleb were the only two who went in to spy out the land and came back with a good report. He was Moses' right-hand man, it said so. He was his servant. He was being groomed for this job, but now the time had come, and he had a choice to make. He could either be discouraged, leave the land unobtained, or he could step into it and trust that God was going to go before him. In Psalm 56.3, it says, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. that the cure to our fear is trust or faith in God. But better yet is Isaiah 12.2 that says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. You see, you can either find yourself in fear and trust to get out of it, or you can trust first and not be afraid. And that choice is ours because we have to step into this land. We have to step into this promise. We have to, by faith, claim what God has for us. What we have to do is live this life that he has called for us. And to do this, we have to be faithful. He tells Joshua in verse 7 that you might succeed wherever you go if you will Trust me, not be discouraged. You will succeed wherever you go. He tells them, then you will be prosperous and successful. Who doesn't want to be prosperous and successful? It doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be healthy. Your life will proceed in a way that is healthy. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I love verses 7 and 8. Because he gives him a prescription of what to do in his situation. Because you've got to know that Joshua is just terrified. You've got to think of the pressure that he is under. And what he's doing is like, I've got to lead these people. I'm going into a place I don't know of. What's going to happen? And verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. That would be Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the books that are preceding this. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So he gives him a prescription of what he needs to do. He needs to understand God's law, his prescription for the nation, how to run the society, there are laws of governing. There are laws of following after the God. You need to stay connected to God in that way. And it's, what I thought was interesting, it says in verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. It doesn't say your heart. It doesn't say your mind. It says your mouth. And he goes on and he says that you are to meditate in it, on it day and night. The word meditate, means to mutter. It doesn't mean to just think. In Hebrew, it means to mutter. It means to speak. Let this law be in your mouth. Meditate. Repeat it over and over again. You know, it's something interesting about speaking. If you don't think and you speak, you're in trouble. We've, we've probably all done that at some time. Husbands, if you've been watching your, the game and the wife asks you something and you're thinking about the game, but you answer her and you say something you, you shouldn't, you know, you didn't listen carefully enough. And she goes, you're not listening, are you? And you're like, oh, I wasn't. What did I say? What was going on? I didn't catch the conversation. And you backpedal and, and then you buy flowers. We have to think and speak. It it brings us to this place where it's hard to lose your train of thought if you're involved in the dialogue. Because if I just think, man, my mind goes everywhere. Thinking about the kids, thinking about the house, thinking about the car, thinking about getting something to eat, thinking about getting some coffee. And my mind just shoots all over the place. But when you're talking, you have to focus. And so when he says, don't let the word of the law leave your mouth. This isn't just something I want you to read. This is something I want you to dialogue with. This isn't an email that you get. This is a phone call that you're on with God. This is a conversation that needs to take place. As you read, you speak. And that's why it's so important to have scriptures that you can rehearse over and over in your mind. And I would encourage us all, for one of our resolutions, read the scriptures this year. Get a one-year Bible and go through it. And rehearse it over and over again. Repeat the things that you read. If there's a verse that stands out to you, do not be discouraged. And just say, do not be discouraged. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be terrified. And as you're driving, as you're sitting down, mutter these things. That's meditating. Repeating these things. That are on your mind and also in your mouth. That it's not just something you think about, it's something you participate in. And Joshua is commanded to keep these things in your mouth. Mutter them. And I know mutter sounds like mutter, mutter, it sounds like mumble or something. But the idea is repeat these things. Who are you talking to? Well, you're talking to God and you're talking to yourself. Now, I know, most of the time we think, talking to yourself, that, you know, they have places, Happy Dales, for people who talk to themselves. But you see, what you're doing is allowing God to use you to speak encouragement into your own life so that you can obtain the things that God has for you. This is what he's commanded Joshua to do to allow these things to be in his mind and in his heart. Turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates, mutters day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season whose leaf does not wither wherever he does prospers. Here we talk about prospering again, succeeding again. How do you do that? By meditating. Your mind is on the things of God, on the scriptures and what God has promised you, keeping your life on focus and on target living the life that you know is supposed to be a part of it. Not just thinking about it. I believe it, but I don't do it. It is a part of who I am. I put it into practice. I speak these things. I walk in this way. This is my life. It's not just something I profess in name or in word. It's something I live. It's something that I acknowledge. In Exodus chapter 33... Verse 7, we see Joshua, before this time, before he was entrusted to lead these people, we see the character of his heart. And in Exodus 33, starting at verse 7, we see, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of the tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance of his tent the lord would speak to moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend then moses would return to the camp but his young aide joshua son of nun did not leave the tent You see, Joshua was not a follower of Moses. Joshua was a follower of the Lord. And when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay there. Why? Because that's where the presence of God was. And he had the dialogue that Moses had. He picked up and he saw from Moses and that became his life as well. And the reason God entrusted this to him is because he had the heart. He had the dialogue. He had the meditation with God that carried his life to a place where God says, I will give you now this nation. I will give you the responsibility for these people. Why? Because you belong to me. But he still got discouraged. He still was afraid and God still had to encourage him but we see the heart of Joshua before the day came where he was now to lead the people. He would stay in the tent of meeting. Even after Moses left, he wasn't a follower of man. He was a follower of God. And his relationship with God is what allowed him to take the responsibility of this nation. And you see, you and I can only do the things God has for us if we have this relationship with God. God is not going to entrust all that he can to us if we can't be trusted. How can I be trusted? What do I need to do? I need to meditate on the law of the Lord. I need to allow the scriptures to be a part of my life. I need to mutter them, repeat them to myself, Know them. Allow them to speak to me and speak them out. I need to have this be a part of my life. And and you see, the tragedy, not only of our lives so many times, but even in the book of Joshua, is that the children of Israel never obtained all that they were promised. They never took all all that was theirs, all that God said you could have, they got lazy, they doubted, they did not claim it, just like we do. So many times, God says, I have so much for you if you would allow me to be your strength. I have so much for you if you would trust me. And I've got to tell you, this is, in time for me, because I get afraid. I wonder, oh God, what am I supposed to do? What, what are we supposed to do? I, I, am I responsible for this? I, I don't know if I should be responsible. And I have to trust and step and not be afraid and step into the things that God has for us, even though they might be scary. Even though they might take us to a place that is vulnerable. Because we don't want to fail. I used to do concerts for a church over Calvary Chapel. It was Alhambra then, right before they went to Pasadena. And I'd put on these concerts for the high school groups. And I would go to the different high schools and I would set up bands there. And then we'd put on another concert later on at a different location so that we could try and reach the students that were there. And I remember one time we had this band, and they went to like four different high schools. And at the last minute, the band couldn't make the final place that they were supposed to meet, so we had to get another band. And I don't know how much money we spent, but we spent quite a bit of money. And the day came where we're supposed to have the big event where, you know, all the Hopefully, the students are going to come to this big concert that we have. And we get there. We've got the hall. We've got the PA rented. We've got another band. And we've got all the, you know, ushers and things from the church that are ready to seat everyone. We had seven people come. And I was responsible. I know. I, 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 I wanted to I wanted to die. I just wanted to crawl in a hole and die. Xavier, the pastor, you know, he says, hey, man, what's up? You know, that's how he talked. And I was like, I don't know. They didn't come. And it was devastating to me. It was like, oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? i Am going to lose my job? What happened? And I literally was just weeping because, like, God, this is I wanted this to be good. This was terrible. And I had the opportunity to quit or to keep on trying to do different outreaches. And so after this, the next year, I believe it was, I did the same thing. Started going to different high schools. I had two different bands that were going to the high school's And then we rented the San Gabriel Civic Auditorium, which they usually didn't rent out for concerts. It was theater, but we were a church. They didn't know it was going to be a rock concert. (laughs) I failed to tell them that part. Um, And so we rented the San Gabriel Civic Auditorium, and after a week of concerts at the different schools, we had 1,000 students come in. Most of them didn't know the Lord. And it went incredibly well. And then I was able to do another outreach at a high school auditorium, and again, filled with mostly non-believers, people who didn't have faith in Christ, got to hear the gospel message that wasn't churchy. And it took a lot for me to take that next step of faith, because I had failed. I had fallen on my face big time. You guys, you don't know how it feels to be standing in the back of a huge auditorium and to see seven people there. and know that you're responsible. Well, maybe you do, but I I, I wish that on nobody. And I believe I had the decision to make whether I was gonna continue or if I was gonna stop and say, "I, I don't wanna chance it anymore. I don't want to feel that way, so I'm going to play it safe. We'll just do our church thing. We'll just meet on Sundays. We'll meet on Thursdays, but we don't need to go out because what if that happens again? And God was saying, no, there's land out there you need to go out and get. Turn to Isaiah 26, closing with this. because I believe this is a haunting scripture. Isaiah twenty-six eighteen. it says, We were with child. We writhed in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to people of the world. I think that sums up what a lot of people who follow Jesus, their lives are. They go through the pains, the sufferings of this world, but they give birth to wind. They don't bring salvation in. Their lives do not produce because of fear. Because they're paralyzed by fear. What could happen if I have to live a life of faith? How will this affect my life? How will it affect my job? How will it affect my relationships? How will it affect me? And they're afraid. Afraid if I'm, if I'm honest and I live an honest life, I, I'll have to pay those taxes. I won't be able to cheat. And, and then I'm going to not be able to make ends meet. Honest in that if I live this life of faith, my boyfriend and I, we we need to stop this relationship because it's not right. And if I stop this relationship, I'll never get married. I just know it. I'm afraid of what could happen. I'll be alone, afraid that if I live this life following after Christ, what will I miss? Look at all the fun that is out there. I'm going to miss out on something. If I follow God, I'm going to miss out on something. And what you find out is when... It all comes down, you just gave birth to wind. You went through all the pains and all these things, but you have nothing to produce and show for it, nothing that lasts. You didn't bring salvation to this world. You talked about this faith, but it has no validity and no power, no substance in your life. It's just wind. Or like Joshua, we can take the weight and the pressure and say, I trust in you, I will lean on you. I'm not going to be terrified. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to take courage. I'm going to stay in your words. I'm going to allow the scriptures to be my guidance in my life's direction. And I'm going to mutter them. I'm going to allow them to come out of my life, not just something I take in, take in, but something I start letting out. Why? So that I will be changed. So that I will obtain the promise. And the promise comes with battles. It's not heaven. We ain't there yet. But don't be discouraged. Take courage. I'm with you, he says. And I will be with you. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Let's pray. God, each of us stands before a threshold. More important than that of a new year we each have before us the rest of our lives and what we will do with them and how we will live them. Whether we will live lives of faith and trust and battle or whether we will resign and give in and try and get out of the pressure and allow the greatness of what you have for us to pass away to allow the land to go to someone else and uninhabited. And Father, I believe that you are speaking into our lives and want the things that we have read and talked about today to be a part of our lives, that we would meditate on them, Lord, that we would mutter them to you, that we would talk back and allow these things to not just be what we hear, but to be something that is processed, thought through, and spoken, that would become a reality in our lives. And Father, I don't know what that battle is, and I don't know what it is that. Everyone is afraid of it. It varies with everyone here. I'm only aware of what I am struggling with and the battles that are before me, the fears that I have, and how you are telling me, as you told Joshua, to be strong and to be courageous, to not be terrified, to not be discouraged, to trust in you, to stay rooted in you, to allow Your words to be a part of my life. And that you will take care of me. That you will give me the land. That you will not allow the enemies to prosper over me. And whether I lose my job, whether I lose my house, whether I lose my health, I can still be victorious. And have a life that produces life and not wind. God, I believe you're challenging us all. and in this time of New Year and resolutions, Father, might we be resolved to live lives of faith, live lives that speak of you? And we ask it in Jesus' name.